The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Making Money Fun with Shanna Tinjum. Like you, Shanna had all kinds of questions about money and finances from a very young age. She learned to not be frightened of financial discussions and became an expert on managing money in the process. Shanna and her guests are here to demystify money, investing, and personal finance. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Shanna Tinjum, Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge, guests on this show and Heritage Financial Strategies are not affiliated. Let's get started. Here's your host, Shanna Tinjum. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Making Money Fun. I am your host, Shanna Tinjum, and I am super excited to have Cindy Campisi on the line with us today. And our subject really today is all about credit, your credit score, how it impacts your finances, and how debt plays into that whole conversation. Welcome, Cindy. Hi, Shanna. Good afternoon. How are you? <laughs> I am fantastic. And like um, a lot of stuff that I do, this subject is one that I get asked about a lot as a financial professional, but it's something I don't really deal with. I know some of the implications of debt. I understand how it can impact somebody's retirement savings or their retirement date, but there are just so many parts to debt and debt settlement and credit reports that I don't really get into. So I'm thrilled to have you in- involved in our conversation today, Cindy, and I want you to start by telling the listeners a little bit about your background and sort of how you ended up in this field of debt and uh, credit settlement. You know, I always tell people, first of all, let me just say thank you, by the way, for having me on today. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, My conversations with folks, about, especially about myself, always start with how I learn the hard way. (laughs) Um, I think you and I have talked about this before in the past, is when you don't have experience with budgeting Mm -hmm. or if you have a lot of credit card debt, you don't have good resources to go to, you often find yourself doing research in a quandary, where to go, what to do. So I, you know, I found myself in that position years ago, having multiple mortgages, lots of credit card debt, and I'll never forget meeting with a bankruptcy attorney who told me that was the only thing that I can do. And after leaving that meeting, I figured there has to be other options out there. Bankruptcy just can't be the only choice. So by managing my way, doing some research, working through budgeting, taking some Dave Ramsey courses research online, I figured I could negotiate this stuff away. I can work with it. There's other solutions. And I just slowly started putting together a budget, figuring out what I can do, how I can save better, how I can eliminate the debt that I have, sell off some properties, make myself a little bit more liquid to help put towards resources to getting me out of the position that I was in. Yeah, I love that. That that you know, a lot of us start with you know, in a situation like you mentioned, where we were trying to figure out how to deal with something, and out of that, a 
an industry was born. Um, I have a similar story. It, it didn't really lead me into what you do, but you know, a lot of us in in my at my, in our age group went to college, and 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 at the, uh, the you know campus orientation, they gave you the free T-shirt and the credit card application, and right. <laughs> that's that's how that's I ended true. up. Yeah, and that's how I ended up in credit card debt. I mean, I was convinced that um, the first year out of college, I would have you know a hundred thousand dollar a year salary and be able to live just like my parents lived. Of course, it took them 30 years to get to that point, but you know, it's it was ugly for a while, and and I don't I didn't come out with nearly the student loan debt that I see a lot of my clients come out with today. But I did have a a good amount of credit card debt, and figuring out how to dig out of that while the the reality hits you that you're you know first year out of college you're not going to make two hundred thousand dollars. Um, was somewhat daunting, and I didn't even know that settlement at that time was an option. Um, I ended up going through a consumer credit counseling agency, and they taught me a little bit more about budgeting than I knew, and and I think that's the first step, like you mentioned. So many people just aren't taught this stuff in high school, in college, even b- by their parents at home, that that's really got to kind of be the first step. Is, isn't that what I heard you say? It is. Education with kids, even as young as five years old, is really important. Teaching them the value of money, where it comes from, how it's applied, and that it's not endless. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great point. (laughs) And um, I actually did a few shows back in July, for those of you that are listening, if you want to go back and listen to um, my my shows that I did with Kelsa. I did two shows with Kelsa Dickey, who's a mutual friend of ours. And um, one of them is, you know, the tips for talking to your spouse about money, where we talk a lot about budgeting and how to get on the same page. And then the other show that we did is is what a financial professional does not do and who you can ask instead. And, And she's one of those resources because even when clients come to me, I understand the technical aspects of budgeting, but I'm certainly not going to be the person that is going to tell you you're, you you need to cut out your $500 a month Starbucks habit. Um, but she will, <laughs> if that's yeah, what crazy, needs. Yeah, I mean, and if that's what needs to happen to get your budget under control, because what I see, and and you may see this too, Cindy. Sometimes is I see the the debt. It, it becomes you know getting in debt and getting out becomes a cycle until you fix the underlying issue that caused you to get there in the first place. Right. And sometimes right. there's. there's- you Those know, symptoms have to be treated. Yeah, that, for sure. So yeah, for sure. And sometimes it's just a circumstance, right? Like you lose a job, somebody right. gets sick, and it's a one-time situation. But sometimes it is just a symptom of a bigger issue. It is. It, it, and it's, what I find interesting is a lot of, I work with a lot of couples okay. that have been married. We, we do research, we go back and we look and see who we're working with. But most of my clients, obviously married, have been married for 10 years, and they never sit down and spend the time talking about money. Yeah. It's usually one spouse that handles all the finances, and the other spouse really is clueless. Yeah. And I ask them, you know, how do, how do we think we got here? Have you had this amount of debt last year, the year before? Like, I just kind of want to establish a pattern for them. Right. And how do we make changes to move forward? Mm. And it's odd to me that they don't really have the money conversation, the budgeting, the finances. That everybody's just kind of winging it. <laughs> so by not, and it's so true. It's like yeah. by not having a plan, it's, it's detrimental. And, if, and it causes more issues than just that little issue of, of, you know, where's the money going? You know, it, it yes. carries out into the relationship and it causes a lot of stress. And it divorce, obviously. Yes. But um, the good news is that there are solutions. There are options. People just need to get educated, whether it's by me or Kelso or someone else like a Dave Ramsey. It's just being there with some 
with some help, with some knowledge, tools to work with. Yeah, I know. I love that. Now, let's talk a little bit about so- sort of the steps that you need to use to begin to deal with this, because I, I don't know how-, how your clients come to you, Cindy, but a lot of people come to me, um, at, you know, as a financial advisor, thinking that that's what they need, w- when in reality right. it isn't. Um, that's not really my highest and best use. But the first step that I always try to get them to take is really figuring out where they are, like what is their true reality? Is that sort of where you start? It is. I want to make sure that I understand their goals, what their expectations are, and I want them to tell me where they want to be in a year so I can, you know, set some groundwork, um, pour in a little accountability, and then put together a plan for them that's realistic because I need to know what their habits are Mm -hmm. so I can make good recommendations and, and, you know, change the situation. Yeah, for sure. Now, do you find that a lot of people don't really know or even understand what is on their credit report? Is that an issue that you see a lot? Yes. And would you believe, Shana, that the reason is they're frightened. Oh, yeah. I can to- I can totally believe that. When I sit down with, with my clients, it's it's shocking to me how often they come in with unopened brokerage account statements. Like I've had uh, people come in with a year's worth of unopened brokerage account statements that they won't that, that they won't even look at. And when I ask them why, their their answer is, "Well, I'm af- I'm afraid because I don't understand what's in there, so I just ignore it." And I think that happens a lot with credit and and the credit report issues, doesn't it? It does. Bills, statements, they're afraid to look. They just make the same minimum payment month after month. And they don't, you know, that would be too shocking for them. (laughs) It's funny because when we try to set, you know, the groundwork, kind of a baseline, I'll ask, how much debt do you think you have? And for the most part, our average client has about 40000 in consumer credit card debt alone, just Mm -hmm. that type of debt. So when they tell me a number... And then I look at the credit report and we add it up. It's actually usually between 10 to 15% higher. Wow. Because they just really didn't know the answer to the question that you asked, which which, which was how much do you have? So I think that's the first step is is really getting, um, even if it's not what you hoped, even if it's ugly, you really need to get a handle on where you're starting from. Right. We need a baseline for sure. Oh, my gosh. And then do you yeah. do you find that, that it you know, one of the things Kelsa said in, in our conversation uh, a while back was that it's really easy to wander into debt, but it's nearly impossible to wander out. Um, <laughs> and it's so true. Yeah, and, and I agree with that because I, you know, one um, financed uh, car here, a, a, another, you know, refrigerator dies there, and one of the kids gets sick, and before you know it, you've got this conglomeration of, really odd um, debt that you you kind of sometimes can look back, at least some of my clients say to me, I don't even know what I bought. Like I've got this $10,000 credit card and I couldn't tell you what it was. And, and, you know, that's where it starts to really show that they don't necessarily have a budget that they're holding themselves to or a plan for their money because, you know, it's, it's, it, that becomes a really expensive dinner out when you're paying, you know, 22% interest on it, right? Yeah, and it carries over four years, and I think that's what most people don't realize, what what the true cost of debt is doing to them yeah. and their finances, yeah. and it keeps them from, you know, having a financially free future, you know, planning and having a retirement, a 401k, mutual funds, paying for their children's college, yeah. and that's what the debt is keeping them from. 
yeah. happiness vacations. You don't, oh. you don't realize it because you're always in that tunnel vision thinking so short term yeah. or thinking, you know, next year will be different. I'll make more money. There's always a sense of hope, which is great. You want to have that hope, but there's no plan to go along with it. That's true. And, and I don't know if you see this, Cindy, but I see that with entrepreneurs even more so. I think we're eternal optimists. Uh, we always yeah. think we can outspend our, our stupidity, <laughs> as Dave Ramsey yeah. likes to say. You know, it's like, well, I can just work a little harder next month. And there comes a point where you just can't work any harder. Um, there's only so many hours in the day. And so, you know, there's really two sides of the equation. It's what you're spending and then what you're making. And really, those are the only two things you have any direct Im- impact on, you know? Yeah, it's true. Wow. Well, I, I love that. And so then, you know, when somebody finds themselves in that situation, you know, we talked about credit and how it kind of can impact your finances. And and I think the credit score is somewhat of a misnomer. It isn't necessarily a reflection of how well you're handling credit. At least in my opinion, it's a well, it's a reflection of how much credit can you juggle. Because at one extreme, you know, you're. You, it, I know people that live off the credit grid completely, and they have a crappy credit score because they don't have anything to prove that they're doing a, a good job, quote unquote, managing credit. But then it's really easy to go from that to, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in revolving debt to, quote unquote, prove that you know how to manage credit. And so where's the, where's the balance in that, Cindy, from, from your perspective? You know, it, I think it's important to have some type of debt, whether it's an installment loan for a vehicle, a car. Obviously, you always want to have make smart decisions, low interest rates, and, uh, and you get that by having a good credit score. Right. My opinion, in having done this for the last 10 years, working with individuals, myself included, going through it, I think it's important to have at least a credit card for emergency purposes. It helps with your overall credit score, you know, keeping it above 700. There's utilization because the, the credit bureaus look at a combination of things, how well you manage your money, obviously, the length of time you've had established credit and the types of credit that you have. Those are all factors that go into your score and and how well you, you pay. Obviously, your payment history is super important. Right. So by having various types of credit, in my opinion, it's, it's always a good thing. And I will say, you know, that I agree with people not wanting to have debt, but then, as you said earlier, they fall off the credit radar. So when they go to do something like purchase a home, it's almost as detrimental as having bad credit because there's no score. And that's what most underwriters are looking for when you're making some purchases. So it's important to have a variety of it, obviously manage it well. Mm -hmm. You you never want to have more debt than you can handle to pay off in a month. So I tell folks, for example, get a credit card perhaps with a $1,000 limit. Use it for groceries, incidentals, gas, pay it off the following month. Yep. Good history for you. It's establishment and it's manageable. Yeah, that's a great point. Now you mentioned, um, you know, underwriters looking for credit scores for things like mortgages and the big purchases. But tell us a little bit what else in our life our credit is affected by. Um, I, you know, there are just so many things that look at credit today that I think a lot of the folks that are listening might not even know they're being judged by those organizations based on their credit score. You know, that's a great point, and most people don't realize when they either move into a new apartment or a new house and they want to start establishing cable services or electricity services, even car insurance, those types of services look at your credit history now. So whether you have, as I said earlier, no credit score because you're you're off the the radar for the credit bureaus or having so-so credit because you've got a lot of debt but you're managing it well when you go to apply for things, 
like utilities, get a new car insurance policy, those companies are looking at you from a credit standpoint. Student loans, you know, most kids that want to go into college, you know, they're able to establish a certain amount of loans for them perhaps, but a lot of parents have to now co-sign, and that's a whole other story. I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, during one of our segments, student loan debt. Yes. You have to have a good history in order to establish to get some loans. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's absolutely the case. And I think that there's just so much, even applying for jobs today, not all jobs, but Mm -hmm. certain jobs, and even certain entry-level jobs, if you wanted to go be a bank teller, they're going to check your credit because you're going to be directly handling money and they I mean, don't yeah. necessarily want somebody that's proven they can't handle money to be handling other people's money. So there's so many instances where they look at those things that it, it makes sense to at least pay attention and 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 come up with a plan to manage that well. And like you said, couples don't talk about this stuff. It isn't part of the dating conversation. Can I see your credit report? Um, honestly, no. it maybe should be, but um, that's a whole other show probably, Cindy. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's so true. I think so. I would agree. You know, but I, I think it's interesting to have that to have that conversation and and to know sort of where you can go for help. And that's what I want to talk about, Cindy, when we come up in um, our second segment. Really, is where are the different places you can go for help if you find yourself in this situation. Instant settle being one of them, of course. And what do they do for somebody that that's in you know credit um, card debt and and really what what is the impact that that's going to have on on their overall credit history. Um, for those of you that are listening, if you want to go back and listen, we've done a couple of really great shows with Kelsa Dickey on the subject of budgeting, and she can shed some light on how to keep yourself from getting into this situation. But um, that's what we'll talk about when we come back. Thank you for listening to the Making Money Fun Show. I'm Shanna Tingham. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you going through a life change like divorce, death of a spouse, or starting a business? Are you tired of financial professionals talking at you instead of with you? Are you worried that you may not have enough money to retire or to live the lifestyle you want in retirement? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need to contact Heritage Financial Strategies today. At Heritage Financial Strategies, we'll get to know your goals and dreams and design a plan together to get to achieve those dreams. Call 480-397-1184 or visit heritagefinancialad.com. My goal is to develop a relationship where you feel like you can ask me any question and know that I'll give you an honest answer. Again, that's 480-397-1184 or heritagefinancialad.com. Shanna Tinjum, Registered Representative, Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. Shannon Tinjum, Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Heritage Financial Strategies are not affiliated. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Making Money Fun with your host, Shanna Tinjum. To reach Shanna or her guest today, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Shanna at heritagefinancialaz.com. Now, back to Making Money Fun. 
Welcome back, everyone. Uh, I am Shanna Tingem, and I am the host of this wonderful Making Money Fun show, and I really do try to make money fun, even when it's a icky subject, which a lot of us feel credit and debt can be icky, but there are definitely ways that you can ease the blow if you find yourself in a situation where either your credit isn't what you want it to be, and usually, I don't know if you see this, Cindy, but I normally get this question from folks when they've applied for something big, like a car or a mortgage, and their credit isn't quite what they thought, and then they come to me and say, oh my gosh, what can I do about this? So, yeah, I see that all the time. Yeah. People actually don't know where to even start. How do I find out what it, where it's my credit, where it's at? And yeah. then usually you're right. When they go to buy a house, they're, they're surprised by what they find. So it's well, important that you check yeah. often. So, so let's talk about that. Where where do you go check? Do you go to the internet and, and look up freecreditreport.com or one of those? Or what do you do? You know, you can pull your credit report once annually without any harm to your score. And I think it's important that you do that. You go to freeannualcreditreport.com. Okay. It's a great site. It may not, it, I don't think it gives you your scores for free, Shanna, mm-hmm. but you have access to your credit history. So you can kind of see where you are, make sure there's no collection accounts that you don't recognize that are on there. Mm-hmm. That's a great site to use once a year to pull all three of your credit bureaus. Another site that I really like and I favor and I, I refer my clients to anybody curious about what's going on with their history, Credit Karma. And they're uh, a monitoring system. Yep. So they'll send you alerts if something is not right. You can you can check it quite frequently. The scores are, you know, usually very different. Each bureau has a different score because they look at different things, but mm-hmm. always accurate. And they'll tell you who's also looking at your credit too, uh, uh, such as potential lenders, um, perhaps maybe you have an old medical collection that you forgot about and now this collection agency is trying to find you or they do soft inquiries against you. So it's it's important that everyone reads their credit score. I say at least once a year. And if you want to apply for a company like Credit Karma and do monitoring, then that's also a great resource too. Yeah, I think that's really important to remember because there you made a, a, a good point there that I think I want to make sure everybody heard. And that is, if you go out and, and I have had clients say, well, you know, I went out and I applied for a, you know, store credit cards so that I could check my credit. No, don't, <laughs> don't do that. Um, because every time you hard apply for something, it's called a hard um, hit on your credit report. And that is going to lower your credit score if you're out there doing that willy nilly for no good purpose. Um, and that happens a lot when you're shopping. Let's say you go to the car dealership to buy a new car and the finance manager throws your credit um, application and they're going to throw it out to 10 or 15 different banks to see which bank is going to give them the best interest rate and that's going to jack your score, I mean, if you're not careful. So really important to know the difference between those types of credit inquiries like you just talked about where you run them as a consumer on yourself versus when you're out applying for credit or trying to uh, establish credit in some way, right? Yes. And I'm going to give you a little quick tip for your listeners too, especially for someone that's looking to purchase a car, whether leasing or financing. Probably important to go to your bank first or a credit union, have them look at your credit profile, do the financing with them instead of going to a dealership and doing, like you said, they pull your credit report, they shop you around trying to find a lender with a great price, and now here you have 10 inquiries against you. That's a great point. I always tell my clients, go go to your bank first. You'll be surprised. You can probably get some really good rates. Yes. It'll be competitive, and then that's only the one credit pull for you. And then you can walk into the dealership as you know, as kind of a seasoned buyer, prepared, ready, and 
it even leads to better negotiating. It does. Control, you have the money. Exactly. And and that's really important because then you can tell the finance manager, hey, my bank has offered me this. I don't even want you to take an application unless you tell me you can beat it. And yeah. if they can't beat that, they're not going to waste their time with you. They're going to let you go ahead and get finance through your bank. And then you have only got that one inquiry and you're dealing with a bank that you know where it's going to be easy for you to transfer that payment from your checking account to make the loan payment. It's just a much cleaner transaction that way. Yeah. So another really good tip, too, especially now that we're talking about car financing and purchasing, there's a company now called SmartNote and they work with um, Ford BMW, Mercedes, any type of car company that does financing, well, SmartNote will actually disperse the payments biweekly to your car payment company. Huh, so okay. Example, but yeah, believe it or not, someone like me, I drive my Ford and make my Ford payment. Well, SmartNote facilitates the payment. They'll do two uh, withdrawals out of my account a month, pay my car payment directly to my lender, and then I pay it off faster. I wonder wow. paying back less interest over time. So it's a, it's a great way. Just car debt... You know, the depreciation hits you so quickly. You drive the car off the lot and all of a sudden it depreciates. So if you can pay it down faster, even better. Save money on interest. I love that. And you can actually do the same thing with your mortgage, too. There are companies that will facilitate that, or you can do it yourself. Um, I often give my clients the tip that are looking to pay their mortgage off quicker. I get the question a lot, well, should I refinance my 30 to a 15-year? And if the only consideration is to pay it off more quickly, if interest rate isn't um, a consideration, then, you know, if you typically with a 30-year mortgage, if you pay two extra payments a year, you're going to pay that 30-year mortgage off in 15 years typically. So um, it really doesn't take that much more to make, to really shorten those loan terms and make that advantageous for you and to pay much less interest to the bank. Right. That's Great. awesome. Yeah. Way to save money is always good. We love it. We love it. So let's talk a little bit more, Cindy, about, you know, when somebody finds themselves in a situation, whether they don't have the credit score that they would like, or they find themselves in a mountain of debt that they don't have any idea that they can get out of. Um, what are some of the options and, and what do you see, um, you, you know, as, as, as the, some of the benefits to talking to somebody like you? So there's always a couple of different options. And I mentioned bankruptcy in our earlier segment. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't want anybody to think that I'm not a fan of bankruptcy. Sure. I think that there's a time and a place for it. And, and sometimes, like, major corporations need to file for bankruptcy protection. Well, consumers do, too. Right. Especially if they're going to risk losing their home because of a medical mishap that happens. And now they have mounting medical bills. So there's... There's always bankruptcy as an option, and I always say that's kind of a tertiary option. We leave that as as our as our last, I guess, our last ditch. You know, if it, if it's extreme, if there's a lot of debt, if there's you know perhaps a foreclosure notice, then maybe we want to talk about bankruptcy okay. and see what what's suitable, whether it's a Chapter Seven, Eleven, or a Thirteen. Okay. So that's option one, and it's something I want to speak with my clients about because I really need to understand what stage they're at, you know, how, how bad or how good things are. It's not always bad. Sometimes it, it's good and it's just, we just need to do a little bit better budgeting. Mm-hmm. So bankruptcy is an option. It's a discussion that I'll have with folks. Uh, you had mentioned earlier c- consumer credit counseling, mm-hmm. which is also an option for folks. That's just a way for consumers to pay off their debt in full, usually over a three or a five-year program. Mm-hmm. And it's a managed plan. You, you lose access to your credit cards because um, now a third party is stepping in to help assist you make those payments. But at least there's good news. You're going to pay it off yep. in three to five years. It's the same payment every month. Usually your interest rates get gets lowered and it's one payment. So for someone that has 
$10,000 in debt, eight different credit cards spread out, high interest rates above 18%. Maybe consumer credit counseling is good, and most credit card companies have their number on the statement that say, you know, call us, you yeah. know, for services. So that's, that's another option for folks. I like it when there's, you know, multiple cards. And, and believe it or not, China, most folks have five or more credit cards between store cards, gas cards, credit cards. So if it's not a high number, but a lot of accounts, and they're just having a really hard time paying down their debt, they're just making, you know, eight, nine, or ten minimum payments on everything, and I see that this situation may never end, consumer credit counseling is a good option. I don't practice in that area, mm-hmm. but I can refer clients back to their either their credit card company or to a, a national company that has done a good job for folks that I've referred there in the past. Okay. Um, and then there's debt settlement, which is primarily what my, my company and I do. So that's negotiation. That's principal balance reduction. Over time, we negotiate with the banks to take less than what's owed. Okay. There's pros and cons to everything. Um, that's, you know, mostly what consumers will choose just because they see the short period of time it's going to take. They're paying usually the same amount they were paying in minimum payments without getting anywhere. They're usually going to pay that amount or close to it to get out of debt. There's a goal. There's an end. There's an end game. We do some budgeting with our clients along the way to keep them on track. Mm -hmm. And the other option is budgeting. Maybe someone has not a lot of credit card debt and just can't really get it together. But as we talked about earlier, they're, they're afraid to look. They just make the minimum payments. But if they realize by looking at something and having someone put a plan together, they can be successful and maybe just better budgeting. Right, right. So there's lots of choices, and I know they all have different impacts on your credit. Um, and so that's something that I want to talk a little bit about. Obviously, you know, we talked a lot earlier about you know, the, the the amount of revolving debt sort of does positively impact your credit. So if you are one of those that can roll up your sleeves, dig in and get that debt paid off by just, you know, getting control of your budget without getting behind or really letting it affect your your life, then maybe, you know, that's, that's one of the routes to consider. But I, I know one of the things, Cindy, that I like about what you do is, you know, it is a quicker solution and it is... A, 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 a solution that ends up oftentimes costing them much less in the long run. So that sounds really great, but there's definitely some downsides to what you do. So talk to me a little bit about somebody that would be a good candidate for the debt settlement option. So someone that has, um, gosh, I want to say at least $20,000 or more in consumer credit card debt and has had that amount for the last five years. Or maybe it's gone up. You know, maybe they started five years ago with ten thousand, and now it's twenty thousand. That that's a good client for me. Okay. Um, and the reason why I say that is because then we can put a plan together, so they don't have that a year, two, or three years from now. Right. Someone that um, is okay with accountability and and taking some solid advice. You know, and planning, working the plan. I should say, <laughs> you know, taking what we say to heart and really working through it. Because I can get rid of it, but you have to be on board with me. Yeah. You have to play a role in all of this. Because the yeah. last thing I want is to relieve someone of all their debt and they go back and do it again a year or two, and then they come <laughs> back to me. We don't want any repeat clients. <laughs> um, You're trying to work yourself out of, out of a, out of a business. Is that what I hear? <laughs> Yeah, sort of. <laughs> well, I think that that's a great point. Now, the the debt settlement option does have potentially some negative impact to your credit. Let's talk a little bit about that. What do you see there? 
so you, usually I want to see what their credit score is so we have a baseline to establish. So I can say to them, okay, it's perhaps a 580 is your, is your middle credit score. Well, where are we going to go from here once we start doing credit card or debt, debt settlement, as we call it? Um, it's usually, I say, Shannon, from what I see, about a 40 to 100-point credit hit over time. Okay. Um, I know it's shocking to some people. I'm very upfront about it because I want to make sure that we set the expectation early on. I never want my clients to be surprised six months down the road. Here we are getting, you know, good results. They're saving their money. I'm settling their debt, but their credit score is in the tanker. Yeah. My average client starts out low because, again, their utilization to their debt-to-credit ratio is high. Mm -hmm. They probably missed a payment or two along the way, and that's pulled their scores down. So I want to make sure that I understand where they are where they're going to go, and how it's going to get better. And we, help, we give them the tools to get better once we're all done. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really important because, like you said, you don't want to see them back there again. Um, that just right. would sort of be a, 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 a vicious cycle if you're not careful of getting into you know, debt and uh, uh, letting Cindy and, and your team get you out of it. That would not be a fun, a fun place to come from. Now, when you talk about debt, are we just talking about revolving credit card debt, uh, car loans, student loans? Let's talk about the different types of debt that can be settled. So we, we have a all of it. Student okay. loan debt, as you mentioned earlier, that's becoming a large portion of what we do now. Um, so just because of the clientele, the age of the clientele that we see, um, my average client has over $100,000 in student loan debt. Yikes. I know that number sounds shocking, but it's not uncommon yeah. at all, at least in the, in the clientele that, that we handle. Will we work with someone that has much less than it? Absolutely. But I'm, I'm still, to this day, we're, we're probably three years into working through student loan resolution for clients, and I'm still astounded by the numbers that people come to me and how long they've had it. it they've usually had it for at least 10 years. Yikes. And with the revolving interest rate, it's so hard for them to pay it off. Yeah, yeah, I can understand and that. It, it's, it's, and between private and federal, so it's not, our clientele just doesn't have federal loans. They'll usually have private and federal or a lot of private student loan debt, and there's options out there. There's yeah. some really good resources. Okay. That's interesting because I used to hear that it wasn't possible to settle student loan debt, at least the, 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 pri- the federal student loan debt. Um, so it's, uh, it's interesting to hear you say that there are some options out there because I know that I, know, I, I have clients that have hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt, and um, it's, it's ugly for their future to, to think about them being retired with student loan debt of their own, you know? Yeah, and there are more options on the private side than there are on the federal side when it comes to settling, but mm-hmm. okay. I think the government is sort of waking up now. I mean, I hate to say it, this is the next bubble that's going to Yes, yes, you know, I would we agree. We had our market crash in 2008. Look what happened to our real estate, you know, banks, you know, seeking bankruptcy protection, all these bad loans that were written that people couldn't afford, you know, interest-only loans, low payment, yep. big house for people, and then that, that took us down about eight, nine years ago. Well, the same thing I have, you know, I happen to think will happen with student loan debt, and I just, I hope the government steps in and does something, and that could be a whole nother show. <laughs> I <go> <laughs> no, I understand completely because it is uh, it is too easy to obtain student loan debt and m- so many people have t- obtained student loan debt not just for the degree but for uh, the quote unquote college experience while they're obtaining the degree and and that's where you end up with a you know um, uh, elementary school teacher or a liberal arts major that has a hundred grand in debt that has no possibility of of earning potential to dig themselves out of it. 
Yeah, to paying it back. It's, yeah. it's so true. It's That's crazy. So then um, when it comes to student loan debt or um, uh, credit card debt or car loan debt, th- those seem pretty clear. Is the IRS willing to negotiate? The IRS is. I, I refer that business out, but yes, you'd be surprised. Okay. Working with the IRS can be relatively painless. Wow. If you have someone that has experience, um, sometimes you by calling the IRS yourself, and having conversations and just being proactive about it, you'd be surprised. I'm happy to say that they're willing to, to do a workout plan for most that are passed due on federal and state, sometimes 0% interest, you know, wow. on a payment plan. So there, yeah, there are options. I think folks have to really do a little bit of research on their own and, you know, set aside some time related to make those phone calls and ask questions. And you, you may not know what the right question is, but just asking gets you a long way. Wow, that's a great point. Well, we're going to ta- let that take us into our last break today. Thank you for listening. I'm Shanna Tinjum, host of the Making Money Fun Show. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Are you going through a life change like divorce, death of a spouse, or starting a business? Are you tired of financial professionals talking at you instead of with you? Are you worried that you may not have enough money to retire or to live the lifestyle you want in retirement? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need to contact Heritage Financial Strategies today. At Heritage Financial Strategies, we'll get to know your goals and dreams and design a plan together to get to achieve those dreams. Call 480-397-1184 or visit heritagefinancialad.com. My goal is to develop a relationship where you feel like you can ask me any question and know that I'll give you an honest answer. Again, that's 480-397-1184 or heritagefinancialad.com. Shanna Tinjum, registered representative, securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. Shannon Tinjum, investment advisor representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Heritage Financial Strategies are not affiliated. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Making Money Fun with your host, Shanna Tinjum. To reach Shanna or her guest today, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Shanna at heritagefinancialaz.com. Now, back to Making Money Fun. Welcome back. I am Shanna Tinjum, your host, and we are today talking about credit and how it impacts your finances. And we have Cindy Campisi with Instant Settle on the uh, on on the call today, and we are really want to close the show out, Cindy, talking a little bit about um, some of the misconceptions that that I hear in my office when people are coming in for financial planning regarding credit and and the credit reporting process and. I actually experienced one of these personally years and years ago, and I want to say it was 25 or 30 years ago. Um, I went to a doctor. That doctor went out of business shortly after our um, visit, and I didn't know I had a $42 bill outstanding. 
uh, and he he sent all of his um, collectibles or collections. Is that what they're called? Um, I don't even know. Yeah. Collections to a collection agency, and about every three or four years, that stupid forty-two dollar charge shows up on one of my credit reports, and I've got all the documentation that I paid it. I've got to go back and prove it, and that's why I think it's really important that people understand that you do have to take a look because stuff can show up years and years and years and years. Um, later and just because you ignore it and you think it's gone doesn't mean it goes away <laughs> it's so true and look about the case of mistaken identity it, that's always a possibility that oh. something can appear that's actually not yours yes or as a sibling or you know parent for child i mean you yes. can surprise the things that appear well, and that's why it's so important. And, you know, I've heard a lot about a statute of limitations or that, you know, I hear clients say, well, I was told that if, if I, you know, if I didn't pay anything on it in five years or seven years or whatever that magic number is, then it just goes away. And that really isn't true, is it? It's not, unfortunately. There is a statute of limitations for a length of time that you can be sued on an account that you stop paying on. Mm-hmm. Um, in Arizona, it's six years, but... Oftentimes, you're right, people may have fallen upon hard times, stopped paying old credit cards, uh, sometimes even a car is repossessed, and they, they, you know, that deficiency balance that's there, I see this often, people think, oh, you know what, they haven't sought me out for six months or a year, I don't have to worry about it, and then a year or so down the road, well, here it is again, now much higher because of the interest penalties and late fees, yeah. so you have to really be proactive to be aware of this. Yeah, and, and every time it's sold to a different collection agency, they're going to tack additional fees onto it, so it just sort of it becomes this big, ugly snowball that comes out of left field and hits you when you least expect it and probably when it's the worst time. It, it's so true. And <laughs> though, you talked about this, you know, when the collection agency gets involved and takes over. Well, that's another derogatory remark on your credit report because if they're furnishing that information to the Bureau, well, now you have the original creditor with the default balance, the late history associated with it, now steps in the collection, the buyer usually, they report to your credit bureau, that account, past due balance, there's verbiage like charge off, um, all that stuff gets reported and it's really important to see what's on there. Yeah. Those are things that we can do to help. We can clean all of that up, we can get rid of it, we can make sure that it's reporting correctly. Now, then do you guys help with that process of disputing those and making sure that only one trade line is showing up from each debt that are that, that's being settled or how do you handle that? So we do. Oftentimes if I see information on someone's credit report that's not correct or if it's duplicate reporting. So the original creditor is reporting a balance, but a collection agency owns it, and now they're reporting a balance. Well, we could do the dispute process to say to the first lender, hey, you charged it off. You don't own it anymore. By law, you cannot report the balance. So we'll dispute that with the lender, and then usually with the three bureaus as well. Yeah, that, that that's a whole process in and of itself. Thankfully, with the advent of the internet, a lot of it's online today. Are all three bureaus online for disputes now? You can. You can sign up and you can do the disputes directly. And Uh, one of the other reasons I mentioned Credit Karma earlier when we were talking about a good place to go check your credit, you can do the disputes 
through Credit Karma as oh, well. Oh, wow. That's that's really cool. When I had that situation I just talked about earlier, of course, it was, you know, 25 years ago, and I had to, you know, send certified letters and follow up on those certified letters with a phone call, all over 42 bucks. And, like, the time that it took me to, to clear that up and, and uh, you know, and then it popped up every two or three years or there for a while. I had to go back and deal with it. Holy moly. Um, so, yeah. so when, and if. how valuable was your time? Right. I know. It's crazy. And so if you're, if you've got multiple issues like this and you think you can fix it on your own, you could potentially fix it on your own, but you're going to spend a lot of time and frustration dealing with that when you could literally just hire a, a professional to take care of the whole package. Now, this may sound like a strange question, Cindy, but somebody that's coming to you is obviously kind of having financial issues. They're in debt. They want to get out of debt. And yet, you know, you're going to ask for some money, obviously, to make this happen. So tell me a little bit about how your fees work and, and how that all works. Absolutely. So we we don't collect our fees until the work is done in the case of settlement. When a client comes to me, they just make the decision they're going to work with me. They give me you know authorization to do that. I put everything in order, get a plan together um, in terms of what the payment's going to look like, what their role it is in all of this, what, what my expectations are. We charge a flat fee. It's usually a percentage of the total debt. So if you're someone that has $50,000 in debt, you're going to pay a percentage of that total of debt. Some people will ask, well, can I pay you based off of what you what you settle for me? So if you, you save me 50 or 60%, we like to charge it off the total balance. It's upfront. It's not confusing. It's earned after the work is done. So oh, that we makes have sense. five accounts, and we're settling them one at a time. We make sure that we get the bank paid back first, and then we bill for our service on that account, and then we move on to the next one, and so on and so forth. So we earn our fees over time. We feel that it's important that we get the bank paid first. Yeah. So if, if we're only working with a certain amount of money, because uh, we're, we're budgeting a plan and an amount in every month, so we know what we have, and our clients hold on to their funds because we want them to be accountable. We, they get excited when they see the money now in a savings account that they probably didn't have before, and that money is growing month after month after month. And then they also will find ways and resources to add a little extra. Maybe they give up, as you said, the Starbucks, yep. you know, because they, they recognize that if I give that up or, or get, maybe give up half of it, I can probably be debt-free sooner yeah. than expected. Wow, that's that's huge. And so then you're kind of helping them walk them through the process. Are they giving you authorization to talk to their creditors or how does that work? Yeah, so they will sign a limited power of attorney, which allows me only to represent them on their behalf with the bank and anyone that they essentially owe money to okay. an account that I'm going to be negotiating on. I don't have access to you know, to any, you know, their mortgage information, their car payment information, none of that. Okay. All right. And so then you just sort of go to work on their behalf and, and try to get these creditors to negotiate down the balance. How likely is it that they're going to be able to do that? Are some creditors better than others? Um, Does it matter how, if you're paying on time or you're behind? Tell us a little bit about how that works. Yeah, so it's so some creditors certainly have different uh, parameters to work within. You'll get you'll get better settlement offers from one bank as opposed to the other bank. Now, what's also what they also take into consideration is what the consumer has gone through. So we we look back what was what was the hardship, what caused them to be in this situation, and we're always forthcoming. We want to let our the bank know our client's position, sort of the you know an income. 
you know, how they got to the situation they're in. But we also want to tell them, hey, we're budgeting now. We're planning. We have a proposal to make, and here's the changes that we're going to make. So it's so it's based a lot of times off of kind of history, how, how they got there. And you, I don't think we talked about this, but I think it's important that we get it out there. Most of my clients are not necessarily bad with men. They don't, they don't go on these fabulous vacations and charge you <laughs> to a credit card. Right. They just, they don't budget well, so they're putting a car payment, groceries, um, incidentals, because again, most of the time there's no emergency fund. Right. So that something happens, you mentioned earlier, like a dental bill, that's what's going on the credit cards. And my team and I think it's important that the bank knows that. You yeah. know, that it was not a lot of, you know, poor spending decisions for things that they didn't necessarily need. Most of the time people are spending their using their credit card debt to pay off really their, I don't want to say their lifestyle, but bills. Yeah, just just general normal living. It's not going, you know, on a on a whirlwind trip of the Orient or something like that. It's just right. life happened and they didn't really have a plan for when it was going to happen. Right. Wow. So true. And so you find that they actually listen to those explanations. They, they because, I, you know, one of the things that I tell people today, and, and it's more true today than it was 25 years ago when I was in banking, um, banks don't really have a soul. So they really just want to see the numbers. And if you can prove to them that you can't pay or that, you know, you're, they're going to be the last to get paid, they're going to be much more likely to work with you. Right. So, I mean, I'm you know. That's Always important. Good to have an open line of communication. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. And, you know, do, so do you find that the clients that you work with, um, you know, d- don't really want to try to do this on their own or they, 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 even if they did, they wouldn't be able to negotiate the kind of reductions that you're able to negotiate? I, I would say absolutely yes. I think <laughs> I'm trying to, in my mind, I'm envisioning most of the time when clients walk into our office, as you said earlier, things haven't been opened in a while. There's the, the awareness level is very low. Okay. So they come to me, they feel comfortable dumping it in my lap, <laughs> me open it, soar through it, you know, making sense of it for them, you know, no, no pun intended there, but, but truly making sense of it, having a plan, and they don't want to have to worry about it. They want to go back to their life, right. make money. Not str- this is a stressful event for most. Yeah. So by taking that out of the equation, it makes them be a better candidate, a better consumer for me because there's so much less worry now. Yeah. Now that sort of leads into the last question I want to ask you because you did mention Dave Ramsey and I know his stance is absolutely every bit of debt is bad debt. Don't get in to any debt. Don't use any credit cards. And I know that's not where you're coming from but let's um i'd love for your opinion on the the good debt versus bad debt and and as consumers are rebuilding what they should look out for great question so i think there's always the good the bad and the ugly good type of debt obviously is a mortgage most of us want to live in a house hopefully we can (laughs) afford that house that we can live in doesn't have to be extravagant but it's something that's going to gain equity in time we hope Right. I think history has shown us that at least, you know, so that's, that to me is good debt to have something that you can manage, low interest rate, reporting to all three credit bureaus. It's um, an installment type of, of debt, if you will, it's just the type of debt that they call it. But that to me, that's good debt to have. Um, and it helps you build character and history for, for your score in the future. Um, what I also think is student loan debt can be good debt. Hey, it's for your education. It's going to make you have a better livelihood at some point down the road. Now, there's a caveat to how much you should take out and making sure that you can afford to pay it back in a reasonable amount of time because I think we talked about this. You don't want to go into retirement with an exorbitant amount of student loan debt that you've carried for the last 30 years. But if, if you know, taken out responsibly, student loan debt can be good debt. Yeah. 
I agree with that. Yeah. So the only type of, I'm not a big fan of, of obviously car loan debt. You know, I think most folks should be, you know, cautious when they're purchasing a car because as we talked about earlier with depreciation and cars, you know, if you can manage to save money month after month, you know, kind of drive your starter car for a little bit longer, hopefully than necessary. Don't, you know, get the new job, make more money, go out and get the new car. I think by saving money, yeah. you know, putting it more down, you know, maybe buying something secondhand, two, three years old, that, yep. that's probably a better decision because it's not great debt to have. For sure. And certainly credit card debt. If you can't, I think it's good to have a credit card for emergencies or even sometimes a store card or a gasoline card. Just make sure you could pay it off within 60 days. Yeah, that's important. That's important. And I think that, you know, working that debt into the budgeting process like you talked about, if you're planning on putting your groceries or um, incidental spending on a credit card, having a plan to next the next month to pay that off is very, very important because y- it could be a month, you pay the minimum payment, you pay, you know, the minimum payment for a few months, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, <laughs> what yeah. what just happened? And then, you know, it's it's digging yourself out of that. And, and then, of course, Christmas hits, which, by the way, is the same time every year. I always tell my clients that it's not a surprise, <laughs> nor is it an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> you don't take Christmas out of your emergency fund because guess what? It happens at the same time every year. Um, and so that's the, those things, it's really important to plan for those so that you don't find yourself in a bunch of that bad debt. Um, I'm also going to add any kind of bad, you know, the two types of the worst debt I think I, I, I see are, you know, title loans or um, what, what are those loans that you go get against your checking account? Cash advance loans? Yeah, cash Good oh, Lord, God. whatever you can do to stay away from those. They're, they're legal loan sharks, and they are ruthless. Um, so yeah, those are two. predatory. Oh, they just should should be um, avoided at all costs. So, um, Cindy, I know we're running out of time. We could certainly talk about this for another hour, but I am so thankful you were able to be with us today. Thanks for chiming in. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a great opportunity for me, and I greatly appreciate it. Oh, no problem. And uh, for those of you that are listening, we would love to have you back again next um, next week, where next week we are so excited that we're going to get to talk to uh, a friend of mine who has just had her um, son graduate from ASU four years completely debt-free. And so she's going to tell us how she did it. And um, it will be a wonderful time for us to learn a little bit about how to stay out of debt if that's your, your goal. So thank you so much for listening. I'm Shanna Tingem with the Making Money Fun Show. Thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to catch the next episode of Making Money Fun with Shanna Tinjum, live next Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great weekend and an amazing week. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Shanna Tinjum, Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge, guests on this show, and Heritage Financial Strategies are not affiliated.